And don't criticize it. Yeah. Please yeah. tell me you're recording this. Cre Thank God. Criticize it. And with that, we start yet another thrilling and dated episode of the ULF podcast, which, by the way, we're totally looking for a new name. If you have any suggestions, feel free to send us. We're working on it, but we like to be creative. So variety, whatever you got, throw it at us. Either directly to the Facebook page, to the firm, Instagram, through YouTube, whatever you want. Just Pick throw up it the at phone, us. call us. Yeah. And if you, we, you send us a good name and we pick you, we'll send you a surprise. A bill. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send you a pack of gum or some Starbucks gift cards or something. But seriously, feel free to send us your serious you know, podcast name suggestions. So today we're going to talk about work. Work in general, work about what we're doing, but more importantly about some misconceptions with regards to work visas. So given that some dude at the Facebook Live um, just told me that I look exhausted and I need to take some vacations, it kind of got to me to determine why I look so exhausted. It could have been the incredibly spicy jerk chicken that Carla uh, got us all for lunch. Which was delicious. I'm not saying it wasn't delicious. I'm just saying it was incredibly spicy. And Some people just can't even take pepper. It was beyond pepper. <laughs> it was like that thing was bathed with a ghost uh, jalapeno. <laughs> I mean, it was insane. This but, must be your white parts showing. <laughs> and it's not 5 o'clock yet, so it's still 2.38. <laughs> um, so it made me think that, honestly, the last couple of weeks, I've, I constantly feel like, nah, next week's going to be a little easier and I'm not going to be as tired. But that, that time doesn't seem to come. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you guys feel the same way I do? Because, I mean, it's been I pretty I feel intense. like these past couple of weeks have been brutal and just chaos after chaos after chaos. And it's, well, by the way, not, not necessarily chaos in the sense that the world's falling apart, but just a lot of work and insurmountable amount of work. And it's just been hard to... That just means that people like us more. Yes. We'll go it's, with that. it's a good problem to have. Exactly. It, they all want to sit with us. Yeah, it, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks to say that you're complaining about something like that. But at the same time, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? You know? So, I don't know. So, I'm, I'm just... I'm just tired, so I can't wait for the weekend to be here. But so it made me think about work, and then it just extrapolated to other kinds of works, and ended up somehow in a work visa question. So <laughs> you know how always people talk about. I watched this documentary the other day, and I, always people talk about why are so many people that have no status or things like that end up in Georgia or have been living in Georgia for so long. And I mean, I, other than there's a lot of work here, I didn't understand why. Until I watched this documentary that talked about the amount of people that were brought over on temporary work visas uh, pre-1996 because the Olympics were going to be held here. And then um, it just kind of extrapolated from that, from the sense that a lot of people stayed here or they moved here after they were like, oh, they have a lot of work coming on. And then Atlanta went through that boom of community, I mean, um, companies moving down here and establishing their headquarters and whatnot. So it was just a massive influx of people moving down here, which has sort of kept going as the years go by in the sense that, you know, people keep moving here, whether it's tough or not. And it makes sense, you know, it makes perfect sense how it's like, it's more like a cultural overtime thing that people just move here, not necessarily because they love the weather, because Georgia weather is ridiculous. 
But it's called Hot Atlanta for a reason. Well, it's not just Hot Atlanta. It's the <laughs> fact that it could be 100 one day and the next day it's like, oh, it's snowing now. Or one day it's like an ice storm. I remember like the first winter we were here in 2000, literally ice storm one day. The next day it was 80 degrees. I'm like, how is this possible? You know? The weather just likes to keep you on your toes. Clearly. <laughs> so it, it just, yeah. So the problem is Georgia weather is not attracting people. Um, not necessarily Southern hospitality <laughs> either. I think it's more along the lines of there's a lot of companies that move down here and that creates an incredibly large amount of people moving in. Plus, it's not super expensive to live in Atlanta, you know. It might be more expensive now, but when we moved here, I mean, it was not it was not that expensive. I guess from your point of view, maybe moving from Savannah up here was like yeah, absolutely. a shock. <laughs> uh, for Gadiel, it was probably like uh, cheaper. <laughs> Because Puerto Rico is far more expensive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you agree? You no, know, I, 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 I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So then that goes to all these people now that think that their employers can petition for them. And they're like, oh, you know, my employer wants to petition for me, so that should be an easy thing, right? Wrong. So we're going to talk about a, little about a little bit about that so you guys can understand it better. So can you name one of the many problems as to why an employer cannot petition for their most of the time they cannot petition for the employees carla well usually these employees have either overstayed their visas or have entered without inspection which means that they are currently without status here in the u.s once you have overstayed your status or if you never had status then it's not possible for you to go ahead and get a work or employment visa yeah. And then why what's the issue with the waiver that people need essentially to be able to get that work visa if they're even eligible for it? The fact that they overstated or well, in the sense that people like came in illegally. Most of them are, you know, without status. Most of them are going to need a waiver, but why can't an employer just do the waiver for them? Well, basically uh by law um, they can't do the waiver. The employer can't do the waiver in, um, you know, in, in, in non-work related cases, uh, the persons who can do the waiver for the beneficiary is either a spouse or the parents of the beneficiary, not even the uh, brother or son, 21 year old, uh, son can do the, the, the waiver. They can't. So, so in those cases, only the, the, as I said, the spouse and um, parents can do the waivers. Therefore, those employers cannot do that, so that's a roadblock right there, right from the start, if they are here uh, now illegally or overstate their visa. Now, the only thing on that note is that if the person was in status back before 2001 and their employer did petition for them, even if they have overstayed, then at this point, they may be eligible to adjust based on the LIFE Act. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the other part of that is, by the way, somebody the other day told me, I was explaining the waiver situation for them, and they were like, but what happens if his wife doesn't have status, but she is the employer? I'm like, well, she doesn't have status. She still can't do it. And as the employer, you won't be able to do much anyways. But it was just funny how they were trying to like go around and be like, see, the wife is the employer. What do you think about that, Mr. Lawyer? <laughs> like, I still think the same way that she has no status, so <laughs> that she can't do anything. So and the other interesting stuff is 
um, <laughs> DACA and TPS because of them being quasi status might not necessarily afford you the same benefits as being in status because that means that at some point you were either out of status or you might have entered without lawful status. So those wouldn't be able to get employment visas as well. Yeah, unless they got it when they were minors and maintained that status, you know, Correct. continuously with no interruptions or major interruptions really within their status. So I think one of the biggest problems that people don't talk about is everybody focuses on my employer wants to petition for me, my employer wants to petition. But I don't talk about the categories with regards to, you know, what kind of work that they do, the wait times for those. You know, I'm looking at the visa bulletin right now. There's two categories in particular that a lot of lawyers were writing about in another blog, and it's like, what does you mean? It means unauthorized. It just means that Congress has not even actually issued numbers for this. Like, you cannot do it, period. So if you're a fourth category, which unfortunately a lot of people fall in their fourth category, it's, there's not even an idea of where you stand because right now it's, you know, unauthorized. And even if you're under third category, you know, you're still looking at a minimum in most cases, like three, four years for it to be even current, you know. So in India, I mean, India is 14 years away for, you know, other workers in third category. So and the first category is unauthorized as well. So even if you had the status or you wanted to change the status, it may be that you don't qualify because the wait is going to be so incredibly long. That's why a lot of times people do the petitions mm -hmm. and then they have to either extend their status if they can at that point because sometimes some statuses you can't extend them more than once or more than twice. They have to leave and then wait that lengthy period of time back in their country before they are able to get any benefit from these visas. Correct. And that's the kicker that getting that extension of status, like even if you have a really good case, I mean, right now they're being so hard with regards to extending your status. Even if, like, didn't we have a case where I think it was like a family member was pretty ill and they gave him all sorts of trouble with regards to extending his status, but yes. he was like the sole guardian of the family member. And if I'm not mistaken, it was like a family member was on a deathbed or something like that. And they're like, eh, it's not that bad. You, you can kind of deal with it. Sounds like what um, that judge said the other day, like, you know, torture is just minimal harm, you know. I'm like, okay. So that's basically what they're doing with this <laughs> extension of status. It's like, you got to show me a super humanitarian thing. You show it and they're like, well, I mean, he hasn't died yet. So mm -hmm. until he dies, we're, we're not really going to consider extending your status, which is absurd. But that's where we stand at this point. So first, second, third category. So most people are like, so it depends on your education and your level of experience, certifications, and things like that. If you have been doing, let's just say, landscaping for 20 years, even if you are like the best landscaper in the world, you're still not going to be within those first few categories because they're looking for uh, entrepreneurs, like knowledge. very specialized work, like surgeons, um, like super athletes, people that have like just this insane level of education and skill, and then just keeps going down and down based on trade. Does it make sense in some of those categories? Not necessarily, but that's just where you stand. So even if you did have the status, even if you did have the experience and the certification, it might be that your particular trade does not have the requisite skills that they want. So, you know, just that's a bigger issue. The other issue is with regards to 
um, investor visas. You know, I've had, I don't know if you guys had it, but I've had multiple people say, so I have $10,000 to go ahead and start my own business. I'm like, well, congratulations. But you're going to need 490000 more at least <laughs> just to get in the ballpark of the game to even be considered for an investor visa. And then, you know, it's just an astronomical, excuse me, amount of money. So it's not just saying, yeah, I got a little bit of money. It's got to be a lot of money. Does it suck the money talk? Yeah, but I guess that's part I mean, of that's living in a capital country. That's essentially how you buy your green card. Mm-hmm. You pay either 500000 or a million dollars, and you and your family get a green card. But that's the price you pay for it, essentially. Correct. Creating business here and that much money. That's why there was a consult, the Mexican consult one day. The guy said it was a call for Mexico. And he asked me what he needed to do to kind of ensure his ability to enter the country with his family. And I said, um, make sure you have half a million dollars kind of handy and a good business plan. And he just laughed. I'm like, I'm not joking, sir. That's exactly what you need to be <laughs> having in your hands. You said to ensure, right? That's what we're looking at at this mm-hmm. point. And I mean, I don't know pretty much anybody who really can come up with that kind of money like that, you know? Because if they did, they either already have some other form of status because their companies or other things like fix them for it, or they really have no need to come here, you know, because most people come here to work anyway. So the reality that they want to come here to start XYZ, it's, it, it's, it's difficult to understand, you know, why necessarily that person that has that level of cash would just want to, their only sole goal is to come here, you know, so... Um, with regards to the unauthorized, it's kind of curious that religious workers is also under unauthorized version. And I don't know if you guys heard, but there's kind of been rumors that they want to really limit religious workers because they've been a lot of problems with people from different countries coming in on a religious visa and then backing out and not leaving or trying to start their own business of all the other things. They've been abusing it. Yeah, especially from the article that I read is everything from... A lot of religious workers from Asia and Africa in particular, not so much Latin America, but a lot of religious workers from Asia and Africa have just been, you know, overstepping, you know, the limits in terms of their religious visa. And it's not easy. I mean, I've done a few of those and they're not, they're pretty strict. They do site visits. I mean, it's not just like, oh, (laughs) you're a deacon. Here you go. Like they go. Which is another myth. A lot of people come and they're like oh, um, I'm a pastor at this church. I want to get my religious visa. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, that's not how it works. If you didn't come in with status or your status is unfixable, then, I mean, un- unchangeable, you can't do a transfer status or change of status. That's Correct. going nowhere. So in general, you know, work visas are not, most of the time they're actually not the best option of people to avoid deportation because of the insane weight and even when you look at look at the filing, you know, table right now, it says current. You can go ahead and file it. That doesn't mean that yours is going to come current anytime soon. Because mm-hmm. all these, wait, all these from India, say 2010, are the ones that are like 2005, 2004. So you can file right now, but you're still looking at a minimum of five years. That's even assumed. I mean, it's just not going to. Is so, it going nowhere? So the, the, the employer petitioner has to wait all those years? In essence, yeah, but it, remember your, that this particular bulletin is not so much with employers as much. It usually has to do with individual applications. Most of the employers that are trying to bring somebody over, like the bigger companies, you're talking like H-1Bs, things that are exactly. more 
so you know, immediate. temporary yeah. rather than permanent visas. Correct. So these are more on a permanent basis, not necessarily on a, like an L, um, what's the other one I'm missing? Not the R, the R is a religious one. H2B, H2A. H2B, H2A, H1Bs, everything. So those are the more common ones for employers in that sense. So um, any other thoughts on work, work, work? So you can have a temporary work visa mm -hmm. while this is pending? You could, but it goes back to then the issue. Are they going to give it to you given that you've shown immigrant intent? Like exactly. you may want to stay here. So it just depends, I guess. A lot of those by temporary visas are for years at a time. Mm -hmm. So H-1Bs and stuff, I think they come in three years at a time. So And you can renew it, um, I think, up to twice, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that's how that would work. So the employer could petition for you and you're here still on your three-year from your H-1B. And then they may let you renew it once, but... At the end of that, you gotta that's leave. it. Mm -hmm. So you're over here crossing your fingers and hoping that time will go by fast. But like Michael said, most of these visas are in such a backlog that it's just not going to happen. Yeah. A lot of them then try to say, okay, well, I want to study now so that they can stay here again on a student visa or things like that. They'll try to work around the system to be able to stay here one way or another. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, to me, it's always been hysterical. So one of the higher categories with regards to these is doctors, right? But then the United States won't recognize a foreign doctorate, you know? So you might be a doctor in Pakistan, but you come here and you're like, all right, dude, you're going to wear scrubs and you're going to clean bedpans because we don't think you're a real doctor. And why would you put that in a super high category? But then it's like the irony of I want to come into work because I'm a doctor, but then you have to start from scratch and be like, so this is how it's going to go. You're going to go to medical to school again to school. and become a real doctor. And then at that point, we'll talk about your situation. You know, <laughs> I, I always think that there's like that double standard of we need you to be a doctor. Okay, I'm a doctor. No, no, no. Not that kind of doctor. This doctor. You know? American doctor. <laughs> yes. America. Basically. Same thing with attorneys. Yeah. You know how many times at the beginning, I, I honestly, before I became an immigration attorney, I thought that all immigration attorneys, you know, when I was like in high school or undergrad, I thought that all immigration attorneys did was fill out forms. I was like, that's the most boring thing on the planet. And now it's like, nah, it, you do so much more. <laughs> it's just oh. beyond recognition. So, so anyways, we just want to talk about this subject because it's something we see a lot. So again, we ask you guys to join a conversation. Feel free to send us a message with any questions, constructive criticism. If you have any other kind of criticism, we thank you for your time, but uh, please change the channel. Just kidding. Um, uh, and if you guys have any suggestions, again, with regards to our podcast name, I, I am serious. We will send you some sort of surprise and thank you. Um, it could be a Starburst gift card for you, you people that really, really love pumpkin spice or whatever. I don't understand it, but you know, some of you people live for that. So kudos, I think it's like five days away or something like that. So there'd be a lot of um, uh, PSL or whatever it's called, pumpkin spice. Yeah, PSL like hashtags and things starting Monday, I think it is. That was so basic, Michael. That's, that's how I am, yeah. That's just how I roll. So anyways, thank you again for your support. Uh, please send us any uh, questions or suggestions that you have with regards to the name. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one.